0: We're taking phone calls all show long and want to talk about whatever you've got on your mind. And now coming to you live from the loveliest village on the plains, Auburn's first and Auburn's favorite sports talk show,
1: Sports Call. Welcome Auburn into the Thursday edition of Sports Call live on Tiger 95.9. I'm Ryan Lavoie. Joined by Javon Cutler, Brooks Childress, and Brent Daughtry today. Going to have a lot of fun this afternoon on this shortened version of Sports Call. Going to be on just an hour and a half today. And uh, we will be getting off here at 4.30 for Borgard High School Softball. As they have a game at 4.45 airtime, 5 o'clock first pitch. So that's why we will be getting off here at 4.30 on the show today birthdays in sports as we do each and every day and then also brian matthews of auburn rivals at 3 30 to talk about some of the latest auburn news including basketball football and baseball and of course some basketball news to start off with you today devin cambridge putting his name in the ncaa transfer portal that is something that his brother did yesterday that we said on the show maybe at that time we were thinking about him coming to auburn but now uh, although the two do want to play each, with each other. It will not be at Auburn, as Devin Cambridge has put his name in the portal. We'll be talking about that and a lot of other things here today. Sweet 16 getting going tonight in college basketball as well. So a lot to look forward to on the show today. Again, Ryan, Javon Brooks, and Brant with you today. And, boys, hope you're having a great Thursday as we get closer to the weekend.
2: Yeah, it's getting closer to the weekend, getting closer to – Bunch of sports going on, like you mentioned, Ryan. We got the Sweet 16 starting out tonight. So, for those who I guess still have a decent enough bracket, you're definitely going to be paying close attention attention to that. But also, if you're just a huge college basketball fan, you'll be paying attention to that as well. So, yeah, lots of sports stuff going on in the basketball world. You mentioned Devin Cambridge as well, a guy um, who contributed a lot to Auburn basketball in the couple of years that he was here. Um, Obviously struggled to follow or find his shot, I should say, this year, but he contributed a lot via offensive rebounds, a lot of highlight reel type dunks, so wish Devin the best in his future endeavors, wherever that may be, but yeah, lots of stuff going on in the sports world, look forward to talking to Brian Matthews to get his thoughts on that and other things going around the plains, but yeah, it's kind of sad we have a shortened show today, can't really take as many callers, but hey, if you want to call him, we've definitely still got plenty of time for that, but overall... Yeah, lots of stuff going on in the sports world.
1: Brooks, you got yourself a, a new hat uh, yeah. pertaining to soccer. big soccer match with the United States of America tonight. That's and, right. Uh, I hope you're doing well today.
3: I am doing phenomenal. Um, yeah, we got a lot of sports going on. Uh, we'll talk a lot about the Devin Cambridge exit from the Auburn basketball team. The first transfer of the, uh, the offseason, I guess, is the, is officially underway for the Auburn Tigers. We'll see if anybody else uh, hits the portal. We, we expect obviously Jabari Smith to go pro we kind of expect Walker Kessler to go to the to the NBA draft um we we know I say we know but we've heard uh Zeb Jasper's uh already said he's going to come back but obviously you never know until it actually you actually get to the court next year and uh see who's who's out there but uh yeah big big loss for this Auburn team with Devin Cambridge a nice role player uh in his time here at Auburn especially this year coming off the bench um but you know we'll, we'll we'll talk more about that we'll get to your phone calls i don't want to uh, i want to i know no one's going to care about this so i'm going to go ahead and get it out of the way in my uh good afternoon segment the ncaa men's hockey tournament getting started today a few games across the espn network some fun fun action there uh can't wait to see how that tournament ends up there's some there's a lot of teams that you just forget are our colleges like today i think minnesota duluth played i think michigan tech played there's some teams that you just don't realize are you know out there until they're it's just i think they're just division one hockey or something like that but yeah fun times there got to watch some baseball this afternoon uh the braves did not play they got rained out in dunedin for their spring training game today we got to see some twins and uh, Ray's action on MLB Network this afternoon. So fun to watch some spring training baseball and can't wait to talk to all of our callers this afternoon.
1: Brant, hope you're doing well as as well
4: today. I'm doing pretty good. Uh, yeah, the Devin Cambridge news, it is not shocking, but it is saddening because uh, like everybody said, he, he's been such a good role player for Auburn. He's at a I, honestly the probably the coolest moment of the season was that transition dunk he had against Kentucky that they immediately called a timeout after and the building just exploded that was a, just an awesome moment and uh, he was kind of the the catalyst of the whole thing but you know he wants to go somewhere where he can be more of an offensive contributor you know he he was a a good defensive player but like he said he he just couldn't find his shot this year um And he wants to go play with his brother, so they're going to go play somewhere. They have a younger sister at uh, Vanderbilt currently, and they have another younger brother who has a couple of SEC offers but is not committed anywhere right now. So Vanderbilt, definitely a possibility for the Cambridge brothers. It would suck to see see Auburn play against them, but um, that would be really good for Vanderbilt, especially with Scottie Pippen Jr. expected to come back for his senior season. Um, We are getting closer to baseball, closer and closer, ever closer. Praise be, we have baseball uh, coming up here soon. The Braves look to be really good. We were looking over the bullpen earlier today, and it's very, very deep. Um, So very excited to see that in action. And,
1: yeah, getting to come on
4: here and talk about sports for an hour and a half should be a good day.
1: So let's talk a little bit about uh, Devin Cambridge while we're on the subject, about birthdays and sports in a little bit. And, again, at 3.30, Brian Matthews. Um, It's not surprising to see transfers in this day and age. We – Talked just about it on yesterday's show that I feel that in this day and age of the transfer portal, uh, really everyone is everyone's status is up in the air until they confirm something. You almost have to say that you are coming back. Whereas 10-15 years ago, you would have just been assumed to be on the team unless you were going pro or unless you're a guy that just did not play at all. Uh, it would be assumed that you would be coming back, but obviously that's not the case anymore. Devin Cambridge did play. A decent sum of minutes for this team. Uh, Obviously had his travails from behind the three-point arc. Looking at his numbers decreased through the years from just over 30% his freshman year to in the mid-20s last year to just 22% from three this year, which was unfortunate because the rest of the parts of Devin Cambridge were very entertaining. He hustled. He was, for a 6'6 guard, he was a terrific offensive rebounder he got a frequent amount of rebounds uh with just athleticism and desire down low obviously a lot of people talking about that he was a great dunker um had some of the great highlight plays of the season because of that athleticism and dunking ability um but it was pretty good defensively but just never could get any sort of perimeter jumper working uh, at auburn despite getting some good looks at times and that sort of thing so as we look at this Auburn roster, uh, and uh, it was summed up a few minutes ago, we expect Jabari Smith to be gone. Uh, Walker Kessler continues to seemingly kind of jolt up some boards. I was trying to look at four or five mock drafts from various sites earlier today, and a few weeks ago it was late 20s, early 30s for Kessler. Now the consensus is Starting to lean towards low twenties, which puts him solidly in the first round. Uh, so the higher that goes, obviously, the more likely he is gone. Who else would you seem to worry about potentially transferring off Auburn's team? And, and granted, this segment is not a panic, everyone panic segment. Uh, but just the realities are, is that there's probably a couple more guys on this team that would not be shocking if they moved on. Now Auburn will very likely have very good answers for them. They are very active in recruiting. We've seen some uh, LSU guys in recent days, decommit commit and uh, Johan, I, I forgot how you pronounce the last name. Apparently Trior. Uh, apparently Trior.
4: It apparently, trior. It trior. apparently rhymes with e
1: according to uh, Jeffrey Lee of On3. Trior, a five-star decommit commit now from LSU, is being crystal balled to Auburn, a, a 6'10 big. Um, and so Auburn is hot on the recruiting trails, and I'm sure they – if they have a significant amount of uh, transfer portal guys, they will be active trying to regain people in the portal. But nevertheless, who would you also be concerned or, or not surprised about if they were to transfer?
4: I think uh, one of the most obvious answers is one of the three one of the three guards that Auburn played, KD Johnson, Zeb Jasper, and Wendell Green. Because uh, you've got Chance Westry coming in. He's a shooting guard. He can play some at the three. And, well, one of your three spots just opened up. But... Uh, he also can play some at the two and you also have Trey Donaldson coming in, who is a true point guard. And I expect to be the primary ball handler for Auburn next year. So we, we'll see how that guard situation works out. Um, Alan Flanagan just didn't have a good year. And I, I think he's better than the year he showed, but he may decide that he's better off elsewhere. Um, obviously that situation is a little bit complicated with his father, Wes on, uh, on, on, uh, on the coaching staff and then you have a couple of other guys that just didn't see the floor that much this year, like uh, Stretch Bola and um, Chris Moore. And I think uh, any of those guys could decide to to seek more playing time elsewhere.
2: I'd probably say Flanagan would be a guy that, um, like you mentioned, Brant has a good chance to perhaps move on, and he's a guy that had an amazing year last year. Like Everybody thought, okay, this guy has the potential to be a first-team All-SEC player, second-team All-SEC player. But of course the injury slowed him down and he was really never able to regain his footing even though he had glimpses of that old Alan Flanagan. So it wouldn't surprise me if Flanagan does move on. But also you know guys like Chris Moore who played well freshman year, but just sophomore year year, couldn't really get on the floor. But you know what he is. He's a big guy, could give you rebounds, could be an imposing presence inside. So it wouldn't surprise me if a guy like that chooses to move on. And that's just the nature of... The transfer portal in basketball, if you feel as if, hey, I could be a valuable member to another team, let me move on and try to find another team so I could, you know, if I have pro aspirations, that other team is going to give me a better chance to make it as opposed to my current team. So that's just kind of the nature of basketball for some of these guys. But I think Moore is a guy that's most likely to leave. Uh, I could bowl, everybody had high expectations for him, but really never played this year. You rarely saw him play. So I'd probably say Akinbola and Moore, I'd say, are the two most likely candidates to bounce from Auburn.
3: I'd agree with all of those. Um, I think Chris Moore is a guy that you could see transfer out of here just because of playing time. Uh, Akinbola, I'm, I don't know. I, I think he would leave, but I also don't know. It depends. I think it also depends on what happens with Walker Kessler because if Walker Kessler leaves, I think you, it's a better chance that uh, – stretch comes back to this team but then it also also depends on uh what Bruce Pearl's got coming in on the on the recruiting cycle um but i, I think that right now if 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 Kessler definitely were to stay i would go uh Babatina Akinbola leaves if Kessler leaves for the draft i, I think it becomes a little bit more difficult to predict i still think it'd be a good good chance that he left because even this past year when kessler was had to get all you know what get in foul trouble get on the bench or had to uh you know take a little rest break on the bench it wasn't going straight to uh stretch it was it was going other guys to take up his position and uh, take up kessler's position on the court so that kind of leans it to you know they're they're not really comfortable with putting uh out there on the court in some of these big time situations i but uh, yeah, Chris Moore, Babatini Akinbola, maybe Alan. Flan- I, I'm a little bit more set that Alan Flanagan would stay, and you know, watch, watch next week. It comes out that you know he's actually transferring. Now that I've said that, but I, I think that Alan Flanagan is is more of a guy. We, I think he'd stay, and I think he can see w- what type of um, development you can get under the Bruce Pearl system, and try to get back to that point where he was last year or a couple years ago, where everyone was saying, oh, he's going to be, you know go to the nba really really soon and kind of like like you guys said he, he took a step back this year um but i out of the three people that were m- mainly mentioned here i think chris moore is definitely the highest chance that i could see going somewhere else than a uh, stretch and then i think I, I would just i'd say alan flanagan stays i think that that's one of the big things i think alan flanagan's more likely to stay than leave
1: so i i do disagree there um I think why it makes a lot of sense for Flanagan to leave is as someone that was originally coming into this year a projected first round pick that loses all of that draft stock throughout the year because of kind of falling behind. Not not really falling behind Smith on the depth chart, but certainly falling behind in terms in terms of offensive options over on the on the wing. And I, I think what you saw is a real confidence drop this season from Alan Flanagan more than anything. And that, to me, kind of embarks on a guy that needs a fresh start, um, somebody that lost their draft stock, that uh, became an afterthought in the offense, and when he did have opportunities to put the ball in the basket, was, seemed like he just couldn't get anything to go this year. Uh, I think the X factor for him staying is that his dad is an assistant coach from this staff. But, um, again, I think when you look at a guy that was once thought to be a first-round pick and is now uh, not slated to be drafted and, and seemed to lose confidence, just got off to a slow start of the season with the injury, I think that is the type of guy uh, that, that probably would look for a fresh start in a new program and, and be able to get it because I'm sure a lot of people would Uh, In in power conferences, look for a guy like Flanagan based off what they think he can do based off of of a fresh start and that sort of thing. When you look at guys like Moore and Akinbola, they're more of the prototypical transfers because they didn't get a lot of playing time. Um, I think that uh, Akinbola is always going to be blocked from starting because even Cardwell staying, I would be shocked if, uh, if he transferred just with all the craziness he ensues in the student sections and that sort of thing. Be shocked if he transferred, but uh, I I really do think that uh, Auburn will, will end up with at least one or two more transferring. And that does not mean there's some horrendous exodus because we're going to see this at a lot of places um, as schools, even that are in the NCAA tournament still uh, might have some guys go to different programs and that sort of thing. So It is a topic that I'm sure will be brought up again in the near future. And on the other side of things, Auburn is going to be very adept and is going to be a player for, I'm sure, some guys to bring in of high note. So it's not going to be all losses at the end of the day. But right now the first domino falls, Devin Cambridge, hitting the NCAA transfer portal. His time at Auburn seems to have come to a close. This first segment of the show has come to a close. But on the other side, birthdays and sports. You're listening to Sports Call.
0: Sports Call is on the air weekdays from 3 until 6 p.m.
5: If you are currently driving in a four-door sedan, roll up the windows and turn up the radio.
0: We're Auburn's first and Auburn's favorite sports talk show. I'm Corey Grant, former Auburn football and NFL running back, and you are listening to Sports Call on Tiger 95.9.
1: Welcome back to the Thursday edition of Sports Call, Tiger 95.9. We're on the Tiger Communications app or after the fact on the Sports Call podcast. Ryan, Brant, Brooks, and Javon with you here on this shortened Thursday show. Again, we will be getting off air at 4.30 today. Borgard High School softball starting 4.45 or thereabouts airtime. 5 o'clock first pitch. Timson, Barry Blanchard will have the call of that one got brian matthews coming up of auburn rivals in just a few minutes so before we get to brian we can do something we do each and every day on the program it's time for today's birthdays in sports today's birthdays in sports and we've got a very good list for you today starting it off peyton manning turning 46 who the sheriff <laughs> Actually, let's go Omaha. Chris Bosch turns 38 today. I'm kidding. <laughs> Peyton, Man- Peyton Manning at 46 years young, quarterback for the Colts and Broncos. Manning was selected first overall in the 1998 NFL Draft by the Colts, where he served as their starting quarterback from 1998 to 2010. Won several awards in Indy, including Super Bowl MVP. And after, uh, after winning Super Bowl 41, he signed in Denver in 2012 won another super bowl in 2015 manning holds many nfl records including mvp awards first team all pro selections 4,000 yard passing seasons single season passing yards and single season passing touchdowns 14 time pro bowler seven time all pro five time most valuable player and two time super bowl champion that's a lot of accolades for peyton manning who turns 46 today if he is not the greatest to ever do it is the second best you know i i I,
4: well so i feel like tom brady's the best to ever do it let's oh yeah yeah. let's call it there but uh i was gonna say oh no a debate (laughs) (laughs) peyton peyton manning is, is uh maybe the the most cerebral quarterback
1: of all time the smartest i don't know he's very good he's very good and he is a legend Chris Bosh turns 38 today, former NBA forward. I'll shut up now. A Texas Mr. Basketball <laughs> in high school. Played one season of college basketball for Georgia Tech. Go Jackets. Before declaring for the 2003 NFL Draft. I just realized we didn't say we're Peyton Manning. I yeah, was about there. to say, yeah. Peyton Manning went to the University of Tennessee. Go Vols. Can I but,
3: redo my, my Georgia Tech one? Yeah, go for it. Go, can you read it again?
1: Yeah, I got it. <laughs> Texas Mr. Basketball in high school played one season of college basketball for Georgia Tech. Together we swarm. (laughs) (laughs) Before declaring for the 2003 NBA draft, Bosch was selected fourth overall by the Toronto Raptors, which was a very fitting franchise if you ever (laughs) got a good look at Chris Bosch. (laughs) While at Toronto, Bosch became a five-time NBA All-Star playing for the U.S. national team with whom he won a gold medal for in the 2008 Summer Olympics. Bosch led the Raptors to their first playoff appearances in five years and their first ever division title. He left Toronto in 2010 as the franchise's all-time leader in points, rebounds, blocks, and minutes played. In 2010, after seven seasons with the Raptors, Bosch entered into a sign-and-trade deal whereby he was traded to the Miami Heat. While in Miami, he won two NBA championships and was a six-time All-Star. Chris Bosch turns 38 today.
2: Feels like he's forgotten at times because, of course, you have the big three. You think of, okay, LeBron James, Dwayne Wade. But then Chris Bosh was kind of like that third guy. It's like you knew he was really good, obviously, from the Raptors. But, like, he had his moments where he stepped up huge for them in several playoff series. And it's like, man, Chris Bosh is still that guy. Like, he could definitely still be that guy. Unfortunately, it was sad how his career ended because of the uh, blood clots. But... Um, he's definitely a guy that is always going to be remembered and I'd say definitely going to be one of the most underrated players in, of this generation for sure.
1: I would agree with you. He would add a lot bigger stats if he had been on a bad team for a, a lot longer. Mike Woodson turned 64, basketball coach and former player who is the head coach of the Indiana Hoosiers. As a player, Woodson played for 10 years in the NBA and then spent his entire coaching career in the league before being hired by Indiana. He served as a head coach of the Atlanta Hawks from 2004-2010 and the New York Knicks from 2012-2014. He joined Indiana, his alma mater, Go Hoosiers! as head coach in 2021 after serving as an assistant coach for the Knicks. Mike Woodson turned 64 today. Fond memories of Mike Woodson?
2: Yeah, I mean, he was obviously the first like two or three years were when the Hawks were absolutely terrible, but then the Hawks had that amazing run starting in 2007 when they drafted Al Horford and kind of retooled that roster and they made the playoffs. I always remember this. It's a little bit of a tangent, but I'll remember they played the Boston Celtics. The Hawks were the eighth seed. The Celtics were the one seed. It was the first year of that their big three. The Hawks took the Celtics to seven games in that series. But um, yeah, Mike Woodson was a guy that was instrumental in the kind of the rebuilding of the Falcons, or not Falcons, the Hawks franchise. I don't know why I had the Falcons on my mind, but the Hawks franchise. But um, yeah, didn't do as well with the Knicks, but he's doing decent things with indiana i mean they made the tournament this year and he's a solid head coach
1: i did not know they took that celtics team to seven yeah. games that means the celtics were one game away from not ending up playing and beating the los angeles yeah. lakers in the nba finals
2: atlanta almost does a big one it was a weird series it was a weird series i remember the hawks always got blown out in boston but then flipped it the other side whenever boston came to atlanta the hawks would blow out the celtics wow. so it's like well something's got to give
1: Steve Fisher turned 77. Former basketball coach, Fisher served as the head coach at the University of Michigan, where he won the national championship in 1989 and was an assistant at Michigan, Western Michigan University, and the Sacramento Kings. From 1999 to 2017, Fisher was head coach at San Diego State. Fisher attended Illinois State University. Let's go Redbirds. Where he helped lead the Redbirds to the Final Four of the 1967 NCAA Tournament. He is a one-time Naismith Coach of the Year. Steve Fisher turned 77. And finally, Starling Castro turns 32 today. Free agent infielder who has played for the Cubs, Yankees, Marlins, and Nationals. Castro is a four-time All-Star and holds the record for most RBIs in an MLB debut. In 2011, he led the National League in hits, becoming the youngest player to do so. He has a career batting average of 280 with 138 home runs, but again, remains unsigned. Strong Castro turns 32 today. And those are birthdays and sports. That was a good list.
2: Yeah, definitely a good couple list. Of legends. Yeah, a couple legends. Yeah, about a couple legends, a couple of great stuff, or great players, underrated coaches, and the guy that's currently still playing. So, yeah, definitely a great birthdays and sports list today.
1: And with that, we will go ahead and take our next break of the hour when we come back brian matthews of auburn rivals will talk to us all things auburn baseball the devon cambridge transfer and how spring ball is shaping up for the football tigers that's next on sports call
0: Oh. The biggest names in the sports world want to be on Sports Call.
4: We are very excited to be joined by ESPN's Adam Amin. We bring on a very special guest, a good friend of the program, a former host of this very show, and the current voice of the Auburn Tigers, the one and only Andy Bircham. We get the opportunity to welcome in Mr. Phil Steele into our program.
0: Be sure to listen to our conversations with athletes, coaches, and media personalities on the Sports Call podcast. Now back to Auburn's first and Auburn's favorite sports sports talk show sports call
1: welcome back to auburn's first and auburn's favorite sports talk show this is sports call tiger Knight 95.9 ryan Lavoy, javon cutler brooks childress and Brant Daughtry with you here on the program today. And now we are pleased to be joined by Brian Matthews of Auburn Rivals. And uh, Brian, a lot to get to today. I know it's baseball season. We got spring ball. I uh, got some basketball news as well, but hope you're doing well here on this Thursday afternoon.
5: I'm doing great. And always good to be in with you guys. Talk a little Auburn sports.
1: Yes, sir. Let's start with the big news of today before getting to some baseball. And that is, uh, of course, Devin Cambridge hitting the transfer portal. Uh, Was this? Did this catch anyone around Auburn off guard?
5: Uh, Not really, and I I don't think that'll be the last um, player to transfer out. I just think, um, you know, first of all, it's it's the way things are now, and uh, you look at a guy like Devin. um, It'll be his fourth year next year. Probably not going to be a starter again, and uh, so from his perspective, it uh, makes sense to um, you know, transfer and look for a place where maybe he can get more playing time, more minutes and his starting job possibly. And, and for Auburn, um, you know, I think they're in the process of, of building another uh, team next year that can compete for an SEC championship and maybe make a little bit better run in the NCAA, NCAA tournament. And I think to do that, they've got to have uh, some more shooters on this team, some, some more guys that can be uh, more consistent from three-point range.
2: And Brian, you briefly mentioned the Auburn basketball team as a whole just now. Of course, they lost to Miami in the round of 32, but kind of putting you on the spot here, if you could describe this Auburn basketball team from this past season in one word, what would that be?
5: Um, Thrilling. I just, uh, I absolutely loved uh, covering Auburn this season. Um, Not just on the court stuff, but all the stuff that happened off the court with us the post-game memes, the Peacocks, you know, the down to Neville Arena and, and, and um, Jungle City, you know, everything that went on around uh, this program along with covering, you know, a guy mm-hmm. like Jabari Smith and this team and, you know, seeing them win only the fourth SEC championship in, in school history. I just think, um, uh, to me, this team overachieved uh, during the regular season and probably underachieved a little bit in the postseason. But looking back on it, they weren't um, – uh, they just weren't built well for a postseason run, in my opinion. Not quite.
1: And so, of course, this season coming to an end as the Sweet 16 and, and Elite 8 start this weekend. But uh, I'm sure we'll have a lot more Auburn basketball news uh, throughout the spring as Transfer Portal and oh, yeah. more recruiting items get uh, get up to speed as well. So so let's, uh, let's go to baseball, Brian. A wacky one in Montgomery a couple nights ago. Um, talk about that one because that's a game having to get through uh, rain delays trying to beat more rain coming and it's a midweek game so you don't love to have to burn i think nine pitchers but ultimately auburn comes out on top
5: yeah it was delayed an hour and the game lasts over four hours so yes it is not what they were looking to do uh, midweek um you know there were some good things in it uh, auburn got behind i think it was six nothing and battled back to win against a south alabama team that came in on a seven game winning streak uh, so this is a team that uh, has got some toughness to them, some mental toughness uh, to do that, uh, especially doing it away from home uh, in a situation where, you know, there's a big storm headed your way too. Uh, so so I thought um, at the plate, I, th- I think Auburn has continued uh, to hit the ball well and they've had guys stepping up and other guys, you know, sort of uh, slump a little bit. You know, Mike Bellow is a guy, a freshman, that's stepped in in the outfield and just been terrific. I think he's batting over 500 over the last week or so. So um, uh, things are going really well in that area. On the other side of the coin, the pitching has just sort of fallen to pieces other than, you know, maybe two or three guys. And, um, you know, maybe it's just one of those things and they'll bounce back this weekend. It takes a and we'll see. But I think that is an area of concern. You know, they don't really have an established, proven, reliable number one or number two starter on the team right now. Um, Oscar Gonzalez, um, will not uh, be I – don't, I don't think he made the trip. He's not going to pitch this weekend. And, uh, you know, they're going to have to try, um, you know, some more inexperienced weekend guys and see if they can get him through it and then see if, um, you know, Blake Burkhalter can maybe win a game for him at some point this, this weekend or, uh, you know, maybe somebody in the bullpen will step up for him.
3: Brian, I want to look at the – you You briefly mentioned it there. I want to look at this Texas A&M series. You've got Hayden Mullins going tomorrow night for the Tigers yep. and Trey Bright on Saturday, and they've got TBA on Sunday. With Gonzalez out, who do you think they, they're going to throw in there on Sunday?
5: Well, I think that depends on a lot what happens Friday and Saturday. Um, I, I know they would, you know, love to be able to save their bullpen as much as possible, which is probably not going to happen. Um, but, you know, to – to get a guy like Carson Skipper, you know, to Sunday and have him start would be, like, the ideal thing to happen. But if they're in a tight game in the, you know, the fifth or sixth inning and they need to go to the bullpen, I think they would probably make the decision to go to him, you know, if, if they're leading uh, because, you know, Carson and um, – and uh, – uh, sorry, the uh, closer I just, I just mentioned him. Uh, Rick Alter? Yeah, sorry. Uh, Berkey are, are really their two best pitchers right now, the two most reliable guys. So if they're in a situation to win a game, uh, they'll use both those guys if they need to. Uh, if not, if they can get to Sunday, uh, they would love to start, uh, uh, you know, uh, books and, and see what can happen.
3: And then, Brian, I want to look at the, the hitting. You know, coming into the season, you started out, Deshera was just on fire. And then he went down for a few games. He was out. But Blake Rambush has really stepped up, and especially stepped up in a big way when, when Deshera was out there for a little bit. Talk about uh, how, how well Blake Rambush has played to start this season and starting SEC play.
5: Yeah, I think he's on a 9 or 10-game hitting streak right now, really is the perfect leadoff hitter. You know, does everything right, gets deep in the counts. Uh, can hit the ball to, you know, any, any field, um, is a good two-strike hitter, um, uh, danger on the base paths. You know, he's just a perfect guy to have him lead up, up roll, and uh, Sonny share is a perfect, you know, number three power hitter. I mean, he just he makes contact with the ball, and it just flies off his bat, and um, he does not strike out very much. He gets good at bats almost every single game against any type of pitcher. Uh, you know, so those guys are really doing some good things at the top of the order, along with several other guys. I and mean, the Auburn's, you know, really um, top to bottom swinging the bats pretty good right now. You know, even Bobby Pierce who comes off the bench against um, South Alabama has two big hits, I think, uh, in the latter half of that game. Um, so, you know, they're getting a lot of production out of the out of the starting uh, lineup and out of the bench.
3: And then, Brian, one other thing uh, with baseball. You came off of last weekend series – uh, C- or SEC opener series. You took one from the number one team in the country. Obviously you, we, we've heard uh, Butch Thompson talk over the years. The In SEC play he likes to win two at home, one on the road. But you got one against the number one team last weekend at home and it, it was a very emphatic win last week. What ultimately do you think they want to accomplish in Texas A&M? Because you know, every, every weekend is a battle in the SEC but Texas A&M is not one of the premier clubs that we've seen them in the past. Do you think they're aiming to win the series down there this weekend or do you think uh, butch thompson would be fine with just one?
5: Oh, i think they're they're going a lot to win this series um you know that this um schedule gets much much tougher as we move forward i think it's at lsu next weekend as a matter of fact so um you know this is a series that is winnable auburn played out in texas to open the season uh you know so it won't be totally um uh, new to them to travel that far for a for a series so um, but yeah, this is a series that uh, in Texas A&M a good, solid ball club, absolutely. And Auburn could easily lose this series, but I think it's also a winnable series, even on the road. It's just a matter of can Auburn get some consistent, solid starting pitching, and uh, you know, if they can get late into a game, you got to like the chances for Burke.
1: And uh, let's talk a little bit of football with you now, Brian, as we go through spring ball day coming up in a few weeks. Uh, we saw the transfer portal announcement of D. Davis a couple of days ago. That one not going to surprise many as well. What's your sense on how the quarterback race is shaping up? I know that question will probably be asked you at least fifteen more times before the start of the actual football season. But just uh, just update us on what you feel the uh, the current situation is there.
5: Well, I think tomorrow's scrimmage is going to be big for that whole group, and um, you know I'd expect uh, all four of the remaining scholarship uh, guys to get uh, a number of reps in that. But you know, from the windows we've been out there and seen it, uh, you know, to me it's um, Zach Calzada, T.J. Finley, you know, definitely one, two. And I've been really impressed with what I've uh, seen from Holden Garner. Uh, I, I just think he's a freshman that has all the tools, you know. Maybe not ready to go out there and be a full-time starting SEC yet, but you can see that potential, absolutely. Um, and, you know, D, uh, he just seems really inconsistent when, I, when I've seen him. Now we only see little bits and pieces, about 20 minutes, or so, uh, but he really struggled with his um, his accuracy. You now I've seen doing do some good things, and I've also seen him uh, struggle to make certain throws. So we'll just see how you know he offers something those other three don't. And that's his uh, tremendous athleticism. So uh, maybe he could fit in a different way than the other three quarterbacks. But uh, I think it can still be a good battle. You know, Zach is still you know um, limited a little bit uh, by his uh, non-throwing shoulder the surgery he had on that, but. Other than that, I expect it to be a, a fairly tight race and probably not decided until
2: sometime in the fall. And Sticking with offense, Brian, I'm curious to know your thoughts of the receivers and how Ike Hilliard has worked with the receivers. Like, What are your thoughts about how Hilliard's handled the receivers so far?
5: Well, I think they went out and got a terrific coach and that Hilliard. I mean, his, his experience speaks for itself, right? So you know, I don't think there's any question these guys are going to be coached up as well as you can. Uh, And and from what I've seen from Ike, he he does well. You know, he's not out there trying to teach these guys all advanced, you know, NFL moves yet. He's he's taking them at their own pace. And uh, I think he's what I can see of him, and that's just a little bit, you know. But um, he really relates well to these guys, which is not surprising. You know, he was a star at Florida. I can certainly remember how good he was on those Steve Spurrier front and gun teams back in the day. But, you know, as far as Auburn's wide receivers as a whole – I, they, you know, they're probably a little short on talent, to be honest with you, and but um, they'll have to make up for that uh, by doing a lot of things right. And uh, you know, maybe there's an opportunity uh, for Auburn to add some help in the transport portal. They could certainly use it in that position.
4: Brian, if you could talk a little bit uh, about. A guy who got on the field a little bit last year, but didn't contribute very much. That uh, it just, from what you have seen, looks to be bigger, faster, stronger, uh, and has a chance to to really contribute on the field this year.
5: Hmm, that is an interesting question. Um, you know, I'd say that Dylan Brooks. I've watched the edge a little bit, and I would say that Derek Hall is one of the most impressive players I've seen in my two decades of going to practices. Just his work ethic and his leadership out there. I mean, I could talk this entire segment just about him, but um, Echo Leota also looks good out there, but Auburn desperately needs uh, depth at that as position. Uh, so I think he's a guy that can help out. I'm, I'm not saying he's a polished product. He's ready to step in and you know, get seven or eight sacks next year, uh, but it looks like he's making a, a move going to get better. And then uh, sticking with the defensive line, I, I think that Tobetsch O'Cole is a guy that's really stepped up. Uh, we talked to Marcus Harris, I think it was, yeah, it was yesterday, and he really uh, talked up O'Cole. And, and what he's done, um, you know, in practice in the offseason, really putting on weight. Um, so I, I think that's a guy to watch on the defensive line that could help out. Um, you know, that, that uh, Richard last year really didn't play much.
1: Talking with Brian Matthews here of Auburn Rivals, and, and Brian, busy time of year for you. Uh, what do you and the guys have at, at Auburn Rivals here over the next few weeks?
5: Well, of course, we'll catch up with uh, Brian Harson tomorrow evening around six thirty after the scrimmage uh we'll have full coverage of, of baseball and of course softball is off to a great start too and uh continuing to cover recruiting and the transfer portal for basketball and football i think there's going to be a lot of comings and goings in that area uh, over the next week or so and of course i think basketball is really pushing hard for some um, really talented uh transfers and uh possibly freshman recruits to some some guys uh johan Horry of course that uh has left LSU, or is leaving LSU, and um, is certainly a, a player that I would love to add to this class.
1: Well, Brian, we appreciate the time, as always. Wish you well here. Uh, like I said, busy time of year. I don't know if it gets much more busier than this time where three different sports kind of uh, have to get a, a good amount of attention. But we appreciate the time and hope to speak with you again soon. I appreciate it. Thanks for having me. Brian Matthews here of Auburn Rivals joining us on the thursday edition of sports call with that we will take our final break of our number one again shortened sports call getting off here at 4:30. be back to wrap up our number one in just a moment
4: on
0: tweeters follow our sports call host jj jackson on twitter by searching at underscore jj underscore jackson underscore and follow the show on twitter by searching at sports call au
6: hashtag is that two words
0: this is andy burcham voice of the auburn tigers and you're listening to sports call on tiger 95.9
1: Welcome back to the Thursday edition of Sports Call, Tiger 95.9. Ryan Brooks, Brant, and Javon with you here today as the boys get hype in the studio. But unfortunately, the music will start to fade on them, and they will not get to. I go don't even have my out. headphones on. I'm just playing it in my head anyway. So then Brant might continue. Brooks, though, is still continuing. Can't
3: take away the hype, Ryan. They're
1: all continuing. It's like the, ultimate the hype, hype, hype train song. does not stop. Yeah. <laughs> Goodness gracious, yeah. The, <laughs> Once again, we joke about the times in which cameras would be useful. Oh, yeah. <laughs> be One of them. Javon is just shaking his head, and I'm igno- trying to ignore everything that's going on.
3: My arms got tired. Uh, just,
1: <laughs> just had a nice conversation with Brian Matthews of Auburn Rivals. If you missed that, go check out the Sports Call podcast available everywhere you can get your podcast. And uh, we talked a little bit of everything Auburn sports. You got Auburn uh, basketball, which unfortunately does not have a game tonight or tomorrow uh, but still going to be active for the coming weeks in the transfer portal and the recruiting circles uh, we talked auburn baseball who is in full swing right now off to i believe uh, a 16 and 7 start is that what i saw i'll have to double check that 16 and 5 16 and 7 something along those lines uh, got a crazy victory
3: uh, fifteen and six. Fifteen and six one whatever, and two in the conference.
1: Whatever combination of numbers I do not say. So fifteen and six on the seasons through twenty one games one and two after uh, winning one out three against Ole Miss. And then Auburn football uh, spring practice underway and we already saw one casualty of the quarterback battle with D Davis transferring uh, leaving four quarterbacks in the mix for the opportunity to start in the fall with we assume is a lead for T.J. Finley just because, as Brian just mentioned, Zach Calzada not even at 100% strength at the moment. So you got to figure to favor the guy that, well, is really the only one that's been there when you factor in Ashford transferring and Calzada transferring but not being able to play, and then uh, holding Gurner being a freshman. So it seems like Finley would seem to be in the lead for that, but still got a long way to go.
2: Yeah, you never know. And, of course, you got the good, bad, and ugly with T.J. Finley last year. It was like, okay, the good, you saw the arm strength, you saw him make plays. The bad, you saw he's a statue in the pocket, which we already knew. Then the ugly, you saw, I guess you could put him with the five-game losing streak toward the end Um, and the terrible play you could say in the Birmingham Bowl as well against Houston. So that's why I say good, bad, and ugly with T.J. Finley, but he's a guy that still I feel like has the physical tools to be a successful quarterback in this system. But, yeah, I would agree that he'd be the front runner for the quarterback lead on the planes. But Calzada, of course, his claim to fame is the guy who beat Alabama last year, and he's got a somewhat decent arm as well. So I don't know, it be interesting. And Ashford's more of an athlete, so I don't know how that's going to factor in. And Gerner, you want to play him, but then think he's a true freshman. You don't know how much of the offense he's going to grasp as far as during the offseason and things like that. So I don't know how much Harson's willing to throw in a true freshman into SEC play. So, I'd probably say, yeah, Finley's the leader in the quarterback room for Auburn thus far.
3: I think right now in, in spring practice, with, you know, you've got like you, you've got a couple guys coming in, and Girner and uh, Ashford that are, you know, healthy, but they're, they're coming in. They haven't had a grasp on this offense yet. And then you've got Calzada who's coming in, who's more experienced than the other two, uh, but he's not 100% yet. I think that you're right. This is, I, I think right now, by default, TJ Finley's number one in the clubhouse. Um, I think this this uh, spring practice is T.J. Finley's chance to you know he, he's got he knows the offense. This is his chance to go out there and prove to Brian Harsin, and prove to this offensive staff that hey, last how we finished last year, that's not me. That, the, I am this quarterback. I step up and have a really really good spring before Zach Calzada can get out there and and have a uh, you know a decent uh, or try to get get a grasp on of the offense because Zach Calzada we've, we we talked about, you know, he, he did transfer away from Texas A&M, but he's still the quarterback that beat an Alabama team last year. He was still that quarterback. How much credit you give him personally, I don't know, but he is still a quarterback that beat Alabama that you've got coming in here that's playing the SEC, and he's if, if you give him the opportunity to learn this offense and get better once he gets back healthy, if you're T.J. Finley you don't separate yourself here during the uh, parts of spring ball that Zach Calzada is not 100%, that could be a real problem for you.
1: Yeah. And of course we've also got to answer, you know, we're talking quarterbacks right now, but still a lot to be determined that wide receiver room as well with a lot of new faces, a lot of guys that did not play much last year. And so still got to figure out with the wide receivers, who's going to be throwing them football, who's going to be catching those throws. So still a lot to be determined again, early in spring ball, but a lot to look out for as we go throughout the spring. This is the end of our number one. Remember just 30 minutes on the other side of this break before Borgard High School softball. And when we come back, we will talk about the NCAA tournament, the Sweet 16. Unfortunately, Auburn's time is done, but the tournament rolls on. We'll talk about that next.
0: One hour of our show is in the books. And now, coming to you live from the loveliest village on the plains, Auburn's first and Auburn's favorite sports talk show, Sports Call.
1: An abbreviated hour number two underway of Sports Call, Tiger 95.9, SportsCallAuburn.com, or the Tiger Communications app, Ryan LaVoy, Brooks Childress, Javon Cutler, and Brant Daughtry, as we... Do 30 more minutes of the program today. Again, Borgard High School softball coming up about 15 or so minutes after we get off there around 445 with first pitch scheduled for around 5 o'clock. Timson, Barry Blanchard will have the call of that one. So let's get right to it here with the little time that we do have. NCAA tournament action tonight. The Sweet 16 continues. The slate we have for you. Just after 6 o'clock, four seeded Arkansas, the only SEC team still alive against one seed tournament overall, one seed Gonzaga. Uh, about 20 minutes after that one, it's 11 seed Michigan off the bubble into the Sweet 16 against two seed Vin- Villanova. I almost said Vanova, which would have I not you were been to go vanilla. vanilla. Yeah, that's vanilla. what I was thinking vanilla. <laughs> vanilla. And uh, then the two late games, 30 minutes after their counterparts in the regional finish. It'll be three-seeded Texas Tech, two-seeded Duke, and what I hope will be the final game of Mike Krzyzewski. And then at uh, 8.59 or so tonight, five-seeded Houston, one-seeded Arizona. Uh, And so, guys, what what do you like out of those four matchups? Are there any game that you're looking forward to more than the others or less than the others? What do you think about tonight's action?
4: I think that Arkansas-Gonzaga game is going to be an absolute barn burner. Uh, I, I really like the way Arkansas has played uh, since about the middle of the conference season. Um, I, I think I, I think they got hot at the right time. Now, it, it's going to be tough tonight. Gonzaga's the one seed for a reason. Uh, J.D. is going to have to absolutely go off, but he has the ability to do that. I'll be watching that game from beginning to end for sure.
2: I'd probably piggyback off of what you said, Brant, and say that Arkansas and is the one I'm probably the most intrigued by because Gonzaga was in a dogfight, you could say, with – Memphis the other game it's oh yeah like, that too like they had to really work hard to beat a Memphis team that had got hot at the end of the season and of course Gonzaga has a bunch of talented players Drew Timmy, um, Andrew Nemhar, Chet Holmgren so I think Gonzaga they're really gonna have to flex their depth against an Arkansas team that we know could get hot at any moment so I think for Gonzaga it's gonna be a great test to see whether they could fend off a Razorbacks team that can definitely have the ability to beat Gonzaga. Gonzaga has shown some weaknesses over the past couple of weeks. But overall, I think that the Bulldogs are going to pull away and win this game, but it wouldn't surprise me if it's really similar to their game against Memphis where it's really close in the first half. Second half, Gonzaga's able to pull away and they're able to finally get over that hump and defeat Arkansas in this case and go to the Elite Eight.
3: I'm going to point out, you guys pointed out one game, I'm going to point out two. I'm going to point out both of the West Region games because... You've got some good storylines about them. Number eleven seed in Michigan, who nobody thought should be in the tournament, or at least should have gotten a, you know, be in the t- in the tournament instead of having to play their way in over some of the other teams. You
1: mean the South Regional?
3: Y- yeah, that's what I meant. I, I was looking at t- I was looking at San Antonio, and I immediately went west. Um, the uh, the the Michigan. I, I think this Michigan team can continue to uh, roll up and go to you know head to the Elite Eight with. Uh, a, a team that was kind of lackluster this year. You, you look at them; they're 19 and 14 on the year, but they've gotten hot here in the tournament. And then Villanova's a team that you really do not talk about all year. They they're usually a team that's up there challenging for a one seed. They really weren't in that one seed conversation for most of the year, even though they only you know they were 28 and 7 on the season. And it was uh it, it was a, it's been a fairly decent Villanova team. Then the other game, I think Houston's got a really good shot to knock off Arizona tonight. They've been playing really really well. Uh, all year long, they they had a really big win last Sunday against the uh, the Illinois Fighting Illini. Got a what was it like a double digit win over Illinois uh, to punch their ticket to the Sweet Sixteen. Um, so really, really interesting game there. I think Houston's got a really good shot to knock off Arizona and uh, take a one seat out tonight.
1: Yeah, I think that seven of the eight teams playing tonight should feel they have a realistic chance of winning the national championship. I think the only team that I would be very surprised if they won it is Michigan, who, of course, has had to do good work to get to this point. Um, but I think that when you look at all these teams, it's high-quality basketball. In the West region Regional, it's the only regional where the top four seeds all advanced, and I think they're all very good. Um, that Houston team, um, you, you bring up Brooks. Uh, Keith from Auburn brought this up earlier in the season that uh, he thought Houston was a dark horse to win the championship. And I will say that I've been, I was very impressed with them in their opening weekend. And and why I'm impressed is they are one of the teams that falls under this very important distinction. They are top 10 in the country in both offensive and defensive efficiency. And when you look at NCAA tournament champions, it usually doesn't have to be top 10, but the majority of champions Mm -hmm. Are typically in the top twenty of both those metrics. So Houston fits that bill. And speaking of Keith of Keith from Auburn, 887 one locally, toll free one triple eight nine tiger nine. Keith from Auburn. Keith joins us now. Keith, uh, your Houston Cougars uh, did beat the UAB Blazers. They went on obviously to win their round of thirty two game as well. And I, I see what you mean, my friend.
6: Yeah, I, you know, and here's the thing. Uh, And and don't get me wrong. I was pulling as hard as I could for UAB uh, last Friday night. Uh, You know, I wanted UAB to win that ball game. uh, But, you know, Houston just shot lights out. Um, And, you know, I I think the key for Houston uh, against Arizona, you know, Houston's guard play. they got to have good guard play. They've been shooting. The guards have been shooting the ball well. Um, My biggest concern is Arizona's big guy. Uh, you know, it, it it depends on how well Houston uh defends the paint. I think I think they need to shoot the ball well. Uh defensively, they're all, they've always been really good. I I mean they 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 get on the boards, they especially offensive boards. I mean they they you know do do a good number on that. Uh but you know, but they got they have to have a complete game tonight. Uh, I think to to beat Arizona, and I think it's possible, and I think you know it could happen. Uh, that's going to be a real interesting ball game to watch. Uh, I, I'm looking forward to that one. Um, and, and I want to jump over to uh, Arkansas. No, let me start with Michigan and Villanova. I don't I, I don't remember what the line is on that game. I think it's about four and a half Villanova, and yep. I may be wrong. On yeah, that.
1: Villanova favored uh, by five.
6: Yep, five. Okay. So um, here's the thing that I like in this ball game uh, for for Villanova. Villanova is a well-disciplined basketball team. They don't make many turnovers. Uh, Where on the other hand, uh, Michigan, you know, they can get rattled some. Um, I I just don't see Michigan beating Villanova. I I think Villanova's, you know, a pretty good complete team. And uh, you know, and, and you know, yes, Michigan beat Tennessee, but the, the truth be known, guys, Tennessee had a five-point lead at halftime. I I thought they, you know, were in real good shape, and then they just went out second half. And uh, you know, I'm not gonna say they didn't play well. You know, Michigan played better, and uh, you know, I, I give Michigan uh, uh, credit for that. So um, I, I just think Villanova uh, continues, you know to play well and, and, and find a way. I think that's going to be a low-scored ball game. I don't – you know, I see it in, maybe in the, uh, I don't know, high 50s, low 60s, uh, you know, maybe in the middle 50s with that game. It, it just depends, Villanova and Michigan. Uh, and then I know we got Arkansas and Zaga. Who's the other one, Duke and North Carolina? No, Duke and
1: – Duke, Texas Tech
6: do texas Tech. I like Texas Tech in this ballgame. I just think they uh, – I had Texas Tech in the finals losing, but I had them losing to Tennessee. So there you go. That, that shows you how much I know about uh, picking basketball games uh, in, in this March Madness stuff. But I, Texas Tech has got a really good basketball team. They, they play really, really good defense. Uh, and, and if they shoot the ball well – uh, they're hard to beat and but then you know you got Duke that counters with the the fact that this is coach K's last season and it's win or go home and it's all over for coach k and you know I, I do believe Duke's playing with uh, a lot of passion uh, you know to try to continue to keep this you know March going uh, for coach k I think it'll be a close game uh it, I just think Texas Tech has a, a few more horses uh and they play a little better defense um and then last but not least, the Gonzaga Arkansas game you know my my heart says arkansas because I want the s e c to win um but here's the key to Arkansas tonight I, I think it, actually there's three things I think Arkansas has to do uh to win this ball game. Uh, And and really two of them kind of go hand in hand. But the first thing, I think think this game, Arkansas needs to slow the game down a little bit uh, and not run up and down the floor with Gonzaga, okay? I think it just needs to be a, you know, I don't want to say knock-down, drag-out match, but, uh, you know, a half-court game uh, to some degree. Uh, But but the other two things that I think is really key for Arkansas Note has to stay out of foul trouble, especially in the first half, uh, and and he needs to have a big game. If if those two things happen, I think they've got a, a really good chance of, uh, you know, beating Zaga and moving on. But, you know, Gonzaga's impressed me. Uh, well, they didn't impress me the first game, but, um, you know, the – they just, you know, they get out on transition really well. Uh, you know, the big guy, heck, he can get a rebound and go coast to coast with it. Uh, and, and I will say this, uh, if I was a NBA owner or whatever, and, and my choices was between the, the big kid from, um, Gonzaga and, uh, Jabari Smith, uh, I'm taking Jabari Smith hand, hands down. I think he's got more upside than, than the big guy from Gonzaga does. Uh, you know, in, in that that process. So I think you know there's some really really interesting ball games tonight. And it's going to be a lot of fun, uh, you know, to watch how all of this plays out. Um, you know, and I, I don't know, guys. I'll I'll hang up and and, and listen to your guys' comments as well. But um, Arkansas uh, really would like to see him to win, but note has got to stay out of foul trouble and he's got to have a big game. And I think Arkansas needs to keep it in the 60s and not get up there in the 70s and 80s with Gonzaga. And I'll leave it at that, guys. And uh, thank you for taking my phone call, and we'll talk again soon.
1: Sounds good, Keith. We appreciate that phone call as always. And, yeah, I think with Arkansas and Gonzaga, sticking with that one for a moment, Gonzaga's bigs run very well. Um, Holmgren obviously can handle the ball um, and, and be a point forward even though he's seven foot and then drew timmy has always operated pretty well in transition so for a team that seems to have their best players be more of big guys uh they don't really want to play slow i think a big x factor in that when we're talking about note as we should is Jalen williams because arkansas really needs somebody to take out one of the two that they need either timmy or holmgren to be ineffective uh, Gonzaga's guards are good they usually will not be the reason they win games or Bolton is quality Andrew Nimhard is quality uh, but they if their two big guys are working then you start have to double team one of them and then Nimhard's wide open or, or or they have easier perimeter shots that unlocks their guards you, even though their guards are capable even though it is very possible that they do end up beating you You need to go that route. You need to force the guards to beat you rather than have Timmy go for 24, 25 points like he's been doing, have Holmgren affect the game on both ends. So um, I think that's important to match up to look out for there. And then uh, just a moment on Duke and Texas Tech. I think this game, uh, I was talking about with JJ earlier in the week, Texas Tech does not shoot well. Uh, They are only 31% as a team from three they really need to score around the rim and and duke has a really good rim protector in mark williams and so i actually i know the line is very close it is texas tech by a point i favor duke in this one because i think texas tech will have a problematic time scoring around the rim i don't think they will take advantage of a weak duke perimeter d and then duke just has guys that even if they're guarded well can still get buckets paulo bancaro can still score through good defense. I think the play of Jeremy Roach at point guard to tie everything together, the talent of Ben Caro, the shooting prowess of Griffin, uh, the ability around the glass of Williams, and and even the ability of Wendell Moore to uh, create this year has increased. I think Jeremy Roach's play over the last month or so uh, is a very good thing for Duke, and he had a good game against Michigan State. Hit a huge three to make that a four-point game late. So, uh, I favor Duke in that one. Uh, I don't necessarily think it's just because of my pessimism for not wanting to see them advance. I do think they are well bi- built to beat this Texas Tech team, uh, albeit Texas Tech is a very strong team themselves. But I'm with Keith. I think the matchups tonight are very tremendous, and I think that we're going to see a lot of good basketball.
2: Yeah, I mean it should be great basketball um, on tonight. And kind of, I guess, added my own little two cents on Texas Tech and. Duke, um, he made great points as far as, he, of course, Caro is going to do his thing, but Jeremy Roach really stood out to me, I know, in the Michigan State game. It's like, wow, this guy could really get hot at any given moment. And For Texas Tech, I think they're going to have to really hang their hat on their defense because their defense has been one of the best in the whole country. They only allow about 58 points per game, so I think for them, they're going to have to try to get Duke to be in a low-scoring game because Duke could easily rack up 80, 85 points. So I think for the Red Raiders to have any sort of chance in this game it's got to be at say in the low to mid 60s that's got to be the range for the Red Raiders if they have a shot to win this game ultimately I don't think they're going to win the game I think they can make it interesting but I just think that Duke's going to out talent Texas Tech and pull away
1: a lot of good basketball on tonight that we look forward to uh, watching and of course tomorrow <coughs> we will recap the games that we see tonight talk about the games we will see tomorrow night Still got two games going at once each night, so if one game's a snoozer, you can still turn it on the other one, and hopefully that will be good, but I don't think we'll have many snoozers over these next couple of nights. All right, final break of the show today. Again, a shortened show on the other side, the nightly TV guide brought to you by Coca-Cola. This is Sports Call.
0: We need a timeout. Sports Call will be back after this quick break. Want more Sports Call? Check us out online at sportscallauburn.com.
1: Welcome back to the Thursday edition of Sports Call, I'm Tiger 95.9. One final shortened segment with Ryan LaVoy, Brooks Childress, Brent Confrey, and Javon Cutler. Just a couple minutes left in the program. One more time, Beauregard High School softball coming up in about a quarter of an hour. First pitch coming up in about a half an hour, so we got to get off our airwaves in just a couple of minutes. So this will – function as the end of today's show and at the end of each show we always do this our show is about to end but
0: we've got you covered on entertainment for the evening here's sports calls nightly tv guide
1: brooks childress we know we have march madness but we have other things worth watching this evening
3: that's right we've got other things on tv we'll start with other things i.e movie picks for you this evening two of them in fact for you tonight six o'clock on fx it's black panther phenomenal phenomenal um marvel movie we were talking about marvel villains earlier in the office killmonger the villain in black panther annoys me
4: really it just oh, really? annoys me really i don't know what it is not it's, a michael b jordan fan
3: i mean I'm a, I'm a michael b jordan fan like i liked what was it was a creed that he was in yeah, yeah. i like creed like creed was awesome but that his villain character just annoyed me in this really? movie I
4: interesting don't know,
3: i don't know why on E, a movie that didn't annoy me, or anyone in it that didn't annoy me. The Waterboy, starring Adam Sandler. Banger. Phenomenal movie. Hilarious. And those are your two movie picks for the evening. Sports picks for you. 6 o'clock on CBS. The NCAA tournament continues with the Sweet 16 as Arkansas takes on number one seed Gonzaga. Then at 6.15 on TBS, Michigan takes on the Villanova Wildcats. And the late game for you tonight, we've already mentioned them, but here they are again on CBS at 8.39 p.m., that is an approximate start time because you never know. Texas Tech takes on Duke, and then at 8:59 p.m. on TBS, number five-seeded Houston takes on number one-seeded Arizona, and then of course, rounding out your evening, your wild card sports pick for the evening on six o'clock on ESPN. NHL is back. It's James from Montgomery's Dallas Stars take on yeah. JJ Jackson's Carolina Hurricanes. Oh, Ooh. big time! Six o'clock, ESPN. Big time. Checking out, and that's your nightly TV guide brought to you by at Coca-Cola.
1: I'll go with James. I'll go with the Stars. How about that? Even though the Hurricanes are a better team. Anyway, uh, that will do it for the program today. Brant, thank you for being here. See you tomorrow. Thank you for having me. Brooks Childers. we appreciate you. Yes, sir. Javon Cutler's last show is tomorrow. Javon, we <laughs> appreciate you, and we will see you tomorrow,
2: my yep, friend. Yep, I will see all of you guys tomorrow.
1: That will do it for the show today. Thanks for Brian Matthews for joining the show, and thanks for all those who tuned in and called called in for Javon Brant and Brooks. I'm Ryan Lavoie saying so long and we will talk to you tomorrow.